0: We're delighted to welcome onto the podcast former Sweden international left back, ex Spurs man, and scorer of possibly Tottenham's best ever Premier League goal, Eric Edmund. Welcome, Eric. Thanks for having me. Welcome, listeners, to YE1 Daily. Again, for myself, Ian Wallace, Simeon Wright and Peter Wright. Peter and Sim, how are you guys?
1: Not too bad, man. Not too bad. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. oh, cool. Good, good, good. All three of us are thrilled to now have completed over four weeks of daily podcast as YE1 Spurs continues its descent through the club's seasons gone by. Eric, thank you so much for your time and for coming on the show. Can I ask you what you were doing before coronavirus hit us all?
2: I'm coach, head coach for a local team. Here in Sweden, on amateur level, uh, I live in Helsingborg, the the birthplace of the famous Scottish guard Henrik Larsson. I work in a, in a local club, and we train three to four sessions a week, and we have a game also. But now they postponed all senior games. Youth level games can go on, but we can
0: only train. So that that's the okay. uh, uh, rules now. For now, oh, that's that's interesting because that's slightly different in this country because the youth teams is all finished. Everything's called off for the youth teams and senior football as well. Eric, how are the effects of the virus being felt in Sweden? Because you were one of the countries which sort of locked down last out of all the European countries. Has it been felt in Sweden? Yeah, like you said, we have a slightly different
2: way of dealing with it. You know, like personal responsibilities, so, you know, keeping the distance from each other. Obviously, playing football is difficult sometimes, you know, with tackles and so on. But we try to stay away from bigger groups. Obviously, I think the tabloids have some pictures from people partying in Stockholm and <laughs> stuff like that. In England, I mean, uh, English tabloids. <laughs> but yeah, generally speaking, everybody's concerned about it. And nobody really knows what this is going to end up. You know, a financial crisis Everybody talking about. And obviously the, the football season was about yeah. to start in Sweden. We start in March and go on to November different from the English season. That must be very difficult, because your season could be completely wiped out, couldn't it? Yeah, definitely, uh, as it is now on on amateur level. Instead of playing 22 games, we play only half, uh, 11 games. But nobody really knows if it's going to be any football at all that season. So, yeah, we have to wait and see.
0: Okay. So if we can sort of move on to your club career, Eric. So you started your career actually where you're sort of living now in Hausenborg. So you played 61 times between 97 and 99. But then you went to Torino. What happened at Torino? Because you didn't really start a game. I mean, you were about 21 years old. What happened? What went wrong there? If you recall, Serie A at that time was probably the best league in the world.
2: I think I should have stayed. You know, it's easy to say afterwards, but I should have stayed another season for in Helsingborg. Maybe taking a different kind of step instead of going to Syria, I should move to Holland, what I did a couple of years later, where the level is slightly less competitive, so to speak. I was twenty twenty one at the time, and I competed with Francesco Coco. If you know this guy, he played a little bit for Italy, yeah. and he was left back, so. He was the first choice. Never really, never really got a chance. To be honest, yeah. didn't deserve the chance. To, you know, that's also the, the truth.
0: Ah, oh, really, that's really honest. of you. Why do you say you didn't deserve a chance? No, nah,
2: yeah, apparently the coach thought Coco was a better player, and yeah, I think maybe you, with slightly more uh, experience that he had at the time, he was also better.
0: I played a couple of uh, Coppa Italia games, but never really made it. Oh, okay, and then you went to Germany for a season. What sort of prompted that move? Actually, half a
2: season. I went on trial with Chelsea for a week during Christmas time, and I had a great week with them. Uh, Bialy was the coach. They had a Nigerian left-back, and he was going to Africa Cup.
3: Celestine Babiaro.
2: Exactly, exactly right. And he was going to Africa and, uh, Cup of Nations, and they wanted to bring in a, a left-back. And I thought, yeah, uh, I did well. Uh, maybe I... Should get a contract, a short-term contract or something. But eventually they thought, okay, this guy is not playing for Torino. He should not play here. That's probably how we alle thought about it. At the time, there was a German young boy there also training with the under-21 team. And his agent recommended me to Karlsruhe. And we had Yogi Löw, you know, the German national team coach. He was the coach at Karlsruhe and he brought me in. But, yeah, it was a tough time also. We had a terrible... Of bad games, and I didn't play well either. So it was okay. a, a relief when AIK Solna wanted to take me back
0: to Sweden. and Obviously, Stockholm for a young boy is an yeah. exciting city. Then you had that short season at AIK, and then you got signed by Herenaven in Eredivisie. Was that sort of a great move for you at the time? It was a
2: fantastic move at the time because their kind of setup was bringing reasonably young players develop them and then try to sell them on. That was kind of the way they did things and still do things. So for me, I came into a, a really good team and they only la- lacked the left back and I, I fitted straight in and I played all the time and uh, the coach really loved me. So it was three seasons in, in, in Holland where I really enjoyed my football. And then there came the, the Euro 2004
0: yeah, and we, we'll come on to Euro two thousand and four after we've sort of gone through your club career. So obviously you do not really wear at Haren then, and then got your. Is it is it true to say a dream move to Tottenham? Yeah, definitely.
2: Like a lot of Swedish and or Scandinavian born players, they are brought up with the English league, and we watch it on television all the time. You know, so it it's the biggest league over here, so obviously to get a move to the Premiership it was a dream uh, come through, yeah, definitely.
3: What was the process by which you were discovered by Spurs?
2: Honestly, I thought, thought Jack Santini, he wanted to bring Lissarasu at the time, and he turned it down and went to uh, Olympic Marseille instead, so then Arnesen, uh, what I heard asked Martin Jol, who's the best left back in Holland, and he said, Maxwell he's the best left back. Yeah, but we can't take him. He's too expensive for us. Who's the second best? And uh, he said me.
0: Oh, really? So that's how it went, Um, uh, according to Martin. Okay, so I just want to give a bit of context of that period for Spurs, Eric. This was the first season where we sort of had a different structure of a sporting director, then a head coach and then an assistant head coach. So that was quite interesting that Frank Arneson was doing the transfers then. Did you ever feel that Arneson brought you in, but... Santini didn't really want you in there, or did you feel everyone wanted you in the, in the team?
2: I thought at the time when he, they took me, uh, I thought Frank knew me because he was at PSV before. So, Shaki didn't know me at all, but that's normal, I think, in football. I, I tried to prove myself to him every day in training, and uh, eventually,
0: yeah, I played uh, quite a lot during his short spell when you joined spurs on the 31st of july do you remember what the number one record in sweden was that day no no i don't i don't it was by raymond and M- M- maria ingen vilvetta var du kopt din troja <laughs> <laughs> yeah nobody wants to know where you bought your sweater no, no 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 you're right and also in england peter just as peter's a big music man eric dry your eyes by the streets was number one when eric oh, joined I remember it well you had a great season and then sort of the, with a bit of turmoil in that season, which we'll go on to a bit later. And then you left Spurs and you ended up going to Rennes in France. I mean, that must have been a big culture shock going from English football into French football. Was that the case? Yeah, actually, I
2: signed the transfer to Rennes the last day of the window. And I, I didn't really want to leave at uh, at the first time because they, they were trying to persuade me during the summer. They had two other... Swedish boys there, goalkeeper Isak who went to Manchester City later and also Kim Kalstrom was yeah, kind of the star of the team in, in Rennes. They started the league really bad, lost five losses in a row. They were desperate to do something. Timothy, he went away to Hamburg and uh, also they want to bring in young pil Lee. They took him on and I, I was really considering my chances to be smaller to play because I wanted to be really match fit for the World Cup in Germany 2006, so I, I thought to myself, I need to play regularly, first team football instead of being on the bench, in and out. That's why I took the decision to leave uh, at the time.
1: That's, that's really massive, because obviously, you know, you've got a World Cup coming up and if you're not playing regularly, you're kind of compromising your your chances to, to be in that squad. And I kind of wondered if maybe you regretted leaving Spurs, because... I think a lot of Spurs fans might regret you leaving because we had a big left-footed problem after that. Because Lee, you know, Lee was a good player and he was he was good on the ball. And I think he put in a really good season. But our defence was actually better the season when you were there. We talked on this podcast about having a really lopsided team, where we had right-footers playing on the left, and mm. it, it would have been really nice to have a left footer like you still at left back. But yeah, we could. That's a that's a really understandable decision to um, to go and play regularly. So yeah, well done.
2: Every now and then. During my first season, we had a great season. Eventually, we gradually built and they had a good team, young players coming through. Obviously, every time I watch Spurs games, I regret leaving because, you know, the atmosphere at the lane and and all those kind of things, you can't compare it to anything else where I
0: have uh, experienced before or after. Yeah. I mean, just going back, Eric, to Sim's point about the left-footed or the right-footed left-backs, before you signed, we had a, a guy called Maurizio Tarico and he was another right-footed left-back. So when you joined, I think most Spurs fans, me included, and I'm sure Peter and Sim, we sort of really liked the idea of having a left-footed left-back who uh, gave us a bit of balance. Yeah, and did, just, yeah. did, you, did you sort of sense that, guys, Peter and Sim?
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it balances everything with the defence. You see it with the best defences, they have true left and right footed full backs on either side, and I think it makes a big difference. And even with the centre backs, if you think of the really successful Chelsea teams of the 2000s, it was like they had that even in the centre backs, the left footed centre back played more on the left.
1: Terry was good when he went for the left.
3: So that, this is a very important point,
0: yeah. Yeah, I think we are really disappointed when you left Eric, but can I just bring up Eric, I work in finance as my job. And I just want to bring up that you're held in very high regard amongst the Spurs fans because you paid some money back to Herenoven after you left because you felt it was wrong. Can you talk about that? Are you allowed to talk about that? Yeah, it's kind of
2: complicated. But you know, in transfers, generally speaking, it's a third part who also gets money uh, from the transfer. And it was Vlado Limic who got, I think, £800,000 or something from the deal and... I found out about that a little bit after the transfer was done, so to speak. So I felt at the time when Herofin told me that they wasn't honest about it. But afterwards, I found out they were. So yeah. I felt, OK, and we want to try against Hierophane at the time, you know, a, a couple of months later after, after during yeah. the the winter time. But as the, the years went on, I, I felt... Okay, this is money that belongs to Hierophane instead of me. So I paid my share back because I felt they were honest. But I thought at the time they weren't, you know. It's kind of
0: complicated. I can't really explain (coughs) it properly uh, otherwise. But ultimately, Eric, you paid some money back because you felt it was right. You felt the club were wronged in the transfer. So it's really, really good. And that's why you're held in quite high esteem by a lot of Spurs fans, because you're honest.
2: I think it was more my conscience, you know. This money doesn't belong to me, so I should pay it back. That's it's not nothing uh, honourable more than, than I felt bad about, you know. Yeah, interesting.
0: So, after Rennes, um, you played at Rennes for a successful time there, including so you went to the World Cup, but we'll come on to that later. Uh, but then you actually came back to the Premier League and um, with Wigan, was that sort of a dream move back to the Premier League?
2: Yeah, it was a nice move to get a second chance in the best league uh, in the world at the time. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I had a great time in, in Rennes two and a half years, but I felt also I want the last chance, you know, to play premiership games. You know, that's, that's how I uh, resonated with myself, you know.
0: And then you also sort of went back after playing at Wigan. You, were, you had a few injuries at Wigan, didn't you?
2: Yeah, a concussion and also you know the big ACL injury uh, with my knee. I got it in a game against Blackburn away, and uh, yeah, to be honest, I really never picked up my former level after that injury. So um, yeah. that, was, that was a tough time,
0: obviously, but also yeah, I'm I'm kind of glad it happened so late in my career. Yeah, agreed. And did your family? Um, I don't know if you had your family when you were at Spurs, but obviously, I think you had your family when you were at Wigan. Did did they sort of like living in England? Yeah, definitely. You know,
2: the life in England is quite similar to Swedish way of doing things and the mentality and the culture and, and all those kind of things. Uh, so they really enjoyed living in England. Yeah.
1: Just a question about Wigan. You know, you talked about how playing at White Hart Lane was so amazing. And we all remember, you know, we all really miss it since it kind of got knocked down and we moved to our new home. But like just about White Hart Lane, the atmosphere there. Was it at all difficult to fire yourself up for the Wigan games, because it's fair to say that rugby league is the biggest sport in Wigan. It's actually bigger than football, they they're more they care more about that team and the attendances kind of suffer a little bit. Was it difficult at all to fire yourself up with a smaller crowd?
2: No, I, I never really uh, had difficulties to, okay. to fire myself up because yeah. I like football, you know, generally speaking. So, yeah. uh, for me, it was a great chance to prove myself against the best players, more of that. But, You can't compare anything, I think, to White Hot Lane or maybe Anfield or, you know, the Highbury. Also, Stamford Bridge is so tight. And the new stadiums uh, who are built now, they are different. They are more like commercial-based constructions. It's about get out so much money you can get from the audience. And obviously, the bigger the crowds, the bigger the money and all those kind of things. But... The atmosphere uh, around English football is is not the same. That's my point of view.
0: So then, after Wigan, um, you went full circle back to Helsingborgs to sort of finish your career off there. Was that a successful spell there? Yeah, definitely.
2: I am fortunate to be been part of the two best spells at this club. You know, in Helsingborg. Before I left, we won the league and the cup. And after, when I came back, we also won the league and the cup. So. It's nice to have that to look back on
0: uh, yeah. now. I once read an interview about yourself when you stated that after football, you just wanted to go back to Sweden and live a simple life, having barbecues with friends and being <laughs> close to nature. It, it, is that true? Or, and are you doing this? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, but sometimes when you're 22, uh, 23, 24, you, you say things. You know, I was very spontaneous and I, I remember Ledley and then the other players mocking me, uh, giving me a stick about that interview because I, <laughs> I said something about Indians in Amazonas um, having that's a true. better life, you know, they, they were killing a, a rattlesnake and then eat it and <laughs> they were yeah. not uh, happy with life, you know, sometimes, you know, yeah, I talk too much,
0: you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. So, so we have sort of gone through your club career, which is a hugely successful club career, and, you know, we really cannot wait to tomorrow come on to um, about the season 2004-2005 with Spurs. But if we could sort of move on to your international career. You actually played 57 times for Sweden and was involved in two World Cups and one Euros. How did you sort of feel when you got into the squad in 2002, the World Cup squad? You went to 2002.
2: How was that? Yeah, it was obviously, you know, as a boy, you watched the World Cups and the finals, you know, European finals and World Cups. I had my debut at Old Trafford, my proper debut, and I played a quite a good game against David Beckham at the time. We had a draw in, uh, against England, and then I was the first choice, more or less overnight after that. But I had a couple of bad, international, bad, but less successful, so to speak. And eventually they went for another, more experienced player at the left side. So I, I never really played in, in Japan. Obviously, afterwards, it's a nice experience, and I think you can take some things you learn from that experience and try to use it further along, you know, when we went to Portugal and also when we came to Germany a couple of years later.
3: Eric, can I ask you about how you mentioned David Beckham, how did you find him as an opponent? Because one of his trademarks, he would never really try to go past the fullback, he would Try and bend the ball around them. I? I just wondered what was your experience of playing against him?
2: Yeah, obviously with a cross he yeah. I remember the team talk the day before, Niklas Alexanderson, you know, former Everton player and Sheffield yeah. Wednesday player, he told me, You need to take care of his crossing. And everybody, yeah, knows he's the best crosser <laughs> in the world. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Actually uh, actually I thought he's not quick enough to go past me But obviously if I give him space enough to to curl and cross the ball We're going to be in in a lot of trouble A couple of times he could do it But also a couple of times I tried to be really narrow and tight
0: You played against England three times Eric So you talk about that one, the friendly game in November 01 Which you drew 1-1 And then you played in a friendly which you lost 1-0 against Do you remember that game? Yeah, it was in Sweden, I think, in Gothenburg.
2: I can't really recall the game, but I think Jermaine played. Yeah, Jermaine did play. The centre-back, Ledley's friend. Garner. Garner, Anthony Garner, yeah, yeah, yeah. He played that game, I remember. Uh, I don't recall if Ledley played,
0: but yeah. England had a really great young team coming up. They really did. So if we sort of move on to Euro 2004, you had a very, very strong squad there. You had Zlatan, you had Henrik Larsson. You had Malby, who was playing for Celtic at the time. I mean, you had a really, really strong squad. How do you sort of feel going into that tournament? Did you feel you could go far?
2: Definitely. Uh, at the time, Hendrik said goodbye after the World Cup to the national team, but he came back. They persuaded him to go back into national football again. And obviously, with him coming into the team, he could guide Slatan also. I think because Slatan, with his character, he looked up to Hendrik and. Then Freddie, obviously, Freddie Jungberg was at the top of his career at the time. So, those three players. Kalstrom uh, as
0: well?
2: Yeah, Kalstrom was playing to be as Lindro, who, who played for Everton at the time. They were good players. Uh, Olof Melberg, as the Villa man, he, he was a leader uh, in the defense.
0: We were a bit unlucky against Holland. So that's, yeah, because uh, you went out on penalties, didn't you? You drew the game, nil-nil. But just if we can just look at the group, you had you had a really tough group then, India, Sweden, Denmark, Italy, and Bulgaria. So there's a really really tough group. You managed to win top the group, but there was talk of a bit of conspiracy by the Italians because in the last <laughs> game you drew two two. Do you remember that?
2: Yeah, yeah, I remember. And at the time I, I spoke a little bit to Italian also, so the uh, the journalists from Italy they. They came up to me before, uh, yeah, okay, so now you're going to play 2-2. There's an uh, Italian expression about cheating. It's a furbo. It's about, you know, really taking it as far as you can with the uh, rules. And I said, you guys, you are the cheaters, you are the furbi <laughs> uh, And then after the game, they came to me again. Okay, you said to us you were honest, but you weren't, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I couldn't say anything. But if you look at the game, it was a competitive game. Uh, during 90 minutes, and we scored I think in 88-89 minutes the equalizer, so it
0: was nothing um, set up before, no, not at all. And, and they were a really strong team, because at that time they still had Totti, Del Piero, Vieri, and Cannavaro. They were
2: really strong, weren't they? Yeah, definitely. Uh, and two years later, they won the World Cup, so uh, it was quite an uh, achievement from us to get a draw from them. They were better that game, when we yeah. played them to 1-1, but if you remember the spectacular
0: goal from Slaven in the yeah. 88th minute, so yeah, it's a late goal, wasn't it? Did you feel look, looking back as Greece obviously won there? Do you guys feel you sort of had a real chance if you'd have beaten Holland to actually win that tournament? Yeah, but uh,
2: that's also if and buts, you know. And, and I think England can say the same. Portugal can say the same if they could do it we can do it yeah we could have done it but we didn't do it so yeah
3: hey eric i wanted to ask you about you said something about slattern henrik must be quite highly regarded because i can't imagine slattern looking up to anyone with his ego
2: yeah yeah but <laughs> I, I mean with the track record and and the achievements uh henrik had during his spell in Celtic, obviously. Uh, I think the reputation he has as a player, and, and all those kind of things he's done. You know, Slatan is that kind of person. He he needs bigger player to look up to. Otherwise, you know, he can be quite tough to deal with. You know, but mm-hmm. at the time we had a great chemistry within the group, and and Slatan was really good. Also, you know, I saw the game against the Italy, and the Nesta and Cannavaro had a had a really tough time to dealing with Slatan uh, during the game. Mm. So I think he was playing for Juventus then, wasn't he? In that in that tournament, I think. I uh, he he went from Ajax to uh,
0: Juventus after the tournament. Uh, oh, okay, interesting. And so that was a great tournament for you. You must have been brilliant being part of that. And then obviously you you came to Spurs after that, after that tournament. Did you feel you were bought on the back of that tournament, or did you feel we were you were already earmarked before that?
2: I think, you know, all kind of World Cup or European final, it's a great stage to highlight your potential, you know. Frank Anderson, he was watching the games because he's Danish. So definitely,
0: it worked in my favour, definitely. Then the next big tournament was the World Cup in 2006, where you you had England in your group. I always felt that Sweden sort of had the measure of England, because I just felt you guys were physically stronger and more organised than us. Is that how you guys felt?
3: Yeah, it's always a tough game against Sweden. It's always going to be a competitive, possibly a tighter game, well-organized. We always associate you guys in Sweden with having really organized defenses and stuff like that. But just a word about the game, the 2-2 game against England. That was a game in which I famously said that... This was going to be Michael Owen's night. <laughs> I said that like a minute into the game
0: and we all know what happened to Michael Owens. It was the, the end, end of his career, night. that game, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. How did you feel about it, Eric, Though lining up against England? did you Were you worried about us? Did you feel you, you were better than us at the time?
2: No, no. We, I thought you were better than us. But if you recall, you know, the tradition and the culture of Swedish football is so much influenced by the English football. And we had... A couple of the most successful Swedish trainers in the league has been English people, you know, Roy Hodgson, Bob Houghton, yep. Stuart Baxter, yep. And those persons have influenced Swedish football the way we do things, the way we play tactically and so on. And I think from that uh, standpoint, we can draw some kind of favours or advantages when we play against you. you know, although man-to-man you have better players than Sweden, obviously.
3: How did you regard someone like Sven in Sweden? You know about what the job he was doing for England at the time.
2: Obviously, with his reputation in Sweden at the time, he was highly regarded. But yeah. I never had the um, chance to meet him or talk to him or anything like that. So for me, it was more about the things that happened in, uh, around the football. You know, with his yeah scandals and so on.
1: Just a word on Rooney during that game. There was a piece that came out of him, last because he's got a column in a in the Times recently, and he basically just come out and said, I was just not fit at all. He he just kept getting injured and got a really bad injury at the end of that season. He really shouldn't have gone to that World Cup. Playing in the defence, and obviously he was up front, what were his fitness levels like, did you find?
2: I don't recall exactly, but like you said, sometimes... When, that's also an argument that's been coming up from time to time, that the English league and the schedule is so tough. So yeah. sometimes uh, the English players are worn out when they come to a final, you know. Mm. And maybe that was the case with Wayne Rooney at the time. He was maybe worn out both physically and mentally because uh, of a draining long English season and playing Champions League and game on, game on. Sometimes it's not only about the quality. You, you need that
0: hunger also. In that game, Eric, you played, obviously came up against David Beckham again. How did you feel you did against him? Actually, I came into the World Cup with an injury. So
2: I was building my fitness level, you know. So I had a tough game the first. We, we drew against Trinidad Tobago, a yeah. big, big uh, disappointment for Swedish people and obviously the national team. And then we won against Paraguay and then the draw against England. Probably the best game we had that tournament.
0: And then you went through and you played Germany in the next round and they pretty much comprehensively beat you guys 2-0, didn't they? Yeah,
2: we, we made, Henrik missed this penalty who could have made it more exciting and more... Uh, yeah, maybe they were a little bit shaken after... If we scored that penalty, but we didn't. We also had a, a red card and they kind of... He just played with us because there were 2 0 after 10 minutes and they could have been five after a half an hour, you know. So, yeah, we, we never really stood a chance.
3: That particular 2
2: 2 game
3: against England, the draw, I don't know how much you remember about the game, but do you remember the Joe Cole goal, the opening goal of the game?
2: As I recall it, it was kind of shot outside the box and yeah. uh, everybody knew the qualities of Joe of Cole. But the structure, like you said before, the structure of the English team, i never really got the impression Sven or anybody else could get maximum of the qualities within the team or within the group out of the players. Because maybe they were competing for the same areas. Sven could never really get it out, you know, the quality you had in the team. Yeah, I don't don't think he got the blend right. Yeah, the big big
1: debate in this country is about Gerrard and Lampard and whether they really got the best we clearly didn't get the best out of them but what was interesting was that our guy you obviously played with him, Michael Carrick couldn't really get a look in. I think he played against Ecuador in the last 16 but I think that was the only time he played in that tournament and just people like that weren't really used well enough he, yeah he just never got the blend
0: right really and skulls as well so thanks guys Eric brilliant great to have your insight on what has been an absolutely wonderful uh, club career and an even better international career um, so it was brilliant to get an insight so Eric really really appreciate uh, your time hope, hope you've enjoyed it yeah, definitely. Nice, Cheers, uh, nice members to talk sir. about. And Sim and Peter, I hope you guys are well and keep safe. Everyone, all listeners, keep safe in this lockdown period. And hopefully you'll listen in for uh, Eric's views on the 2004-2005 season. Thanks everyone at y one Spurs. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Cheers.